My psychic senses are telling me that you are spiritually curious. I'm just kidding. If you found your way here, most likely <laughs> you are interested or curious about energy, the secrets of the universe, the magic of the unseen. There is a lot of conflicting information out there about how to tune into energy beings properly, how to build your intuition, how to cleanse things, yada, yada, yada. I know how overwhelming it can be, so I created a one-stop shop for all of your spiritually curious, psychic expansive self-care needs where you can build your own spiritual practice with guidance, tools, and a safe place to explore your curiosities and connect to your intuition. There's a ton of crash courses covering topics ranging from meeting your spirit guides to trans-channeling to manifesting. You get distance Reiki healings for a wide range of needs, such as moving through discomfort or support stepping into a new chapter or even help calling in creativity. Subscribers get 15% off all full-price services, a monthly group Zoom hangout where the weird is our normal. There are exclusive channeling videos, expansive conversations, guided meditations, movement meditations, weekly reflections, intuitive practices, this podcast, ad-free and as a video, and so much more. New content is uploaded every week, so there's constantly new stuff for you to learn from, digest, and various practices to keep you grounded in your body. And all of this, might I add is only $7 per month. So if you're ready to align to your best self and show up as your inner being, a priceless investment in yourself, you can head over to channelwithamber.com slash subscribe to give it a peek. I'll see you over there. Hello friends, welcome back to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. This is going to be part one of a two-part discussion about relationships, healing, and spirituality. This first part, I'm going to be getting very personal, talking about my perspective and experience with relationships. Next episode, I'm going to be covering these topics and many more from a more general approach to offer guidance and expand on the subject. I'm excited for this little venture. Here we go. be going over topics that may be a little controversial for some, so I ask that you proceed with an open mind as we embark upon this journey together. I'm revealing some of the skeletons in my closet for educational purposes, and I'm honestly a little uncomfortable and nervous. <laughs> Current circumstances that I will be sharing have created a complete shift in the way I approach romantic relationships. As I have begun talking to some people about these realizations, it has opened up some really great conversations, so I wanted to welcome you into the convo in case it helps you in any way or sparks similar reflections. As I mentioned, I will be sharing my personal views and experiences today, and the next episode we will expand upon things in a more general, neutral manner. In part two, we'll be discussing the various layers to concepts such as soulmates and twin flames, how to heal from heartbreak, the spirituality of relationships, and so much more. Oh, Thistle. <laughs> All right, so as with most people, I was trained at an early age that you grow up get married, and have children. I had my first boyfriend when I was nine, and we decided to have a wedding at school during recess to seal the deal. We made invitations. I wore a dress. We split a little Reese's Pieces as our wedding cake. He gave me a little 50 cent 
ring with a teddy bear on it that I wore constantly, which consequently turned my finger green, I was mimicking what I thought relationships were like. My best friend had an older sister, and my boyfriend had an older brother, that were in the same grade, so my best friend and my boyfriend would see each other a lot outside of school since they were involved with their older siblings' stuff. My best friend and I were on the dance team, which would practice after school. We'd have like 30 minutes or so from the end of school until practice where we would chat and change clothes and snack and whatever. There were probably like six times over the span of my on-again, off-again relationship with him that she came up to me and was like, I just want to let you know that I was playing spin the bottle with my sister's friends. Josh was there. It pointed to him and we kissed each other. Just wanted to let you know. And every time I was like, okay, whatever, get some all you want. (laughs) It had zero effect on me. I knew that he liked her too, but as long as his and my connection was doing well, it made no difference to me. I was also very aware that at my age, I didn't need to be kissing people. So if he needed to kiss people, it wasn't going to be me. And if he needed to go to somebody else, that was fine. Despite my awareness of my age, apparently marriage was still acceptable, but kissing wasn't. At the time, if it came up in conversation with friends or something, my nonchalant attitude about them kissing here and there would be met with surprise, which made me feel kind of cool and alternative or something. But I honestly didn't understand the concept of monogamy. Yes, I was a child and was just mimicking what I saw without fully understanding it, but this confusion never really left. I came to understand that this actually stems from values and approaches from extraterrestrial lifetimes. We'll put a pin in that and get to it later. Fast forward a year or so, my parents got divorced. It was a really messy divorce, and there was a lot of aggressive, negative talk about each other going on behind their backs. I couldn't wrap my head around how, if you loved someone so much at one point, how you could just kind of flip that all around all of a sudden. Like, where does that love go, you know? My parents had a very turbulent relationship, so I totally understood that permanent separation was incredibly needed, but my young mind just couldn't really make sense of the extreme shifting of emotions. Since this was all I had known, however, I kind of adopted a understanding or I kind of grew up thinking that when you broke up with someone, you had to stop talking to them and stop talking about them unless it was negative. They were essentially dead to you and all that love you had just turns into like disgust. I thought that was just what you had to do. That's just how you move on with your life. That's what breaking up means. Fast forward to when I was 16. My dad and I were at a Pleiadian channeling event at our spiritual center. Someone asked a question about relationships. I don't specifically remember what it was, but the Pleiadians got into a conversation regarding our human, American, approach to relationships, explaining how different it was from other planets. And the Pleiades in particular, they just love whoever feels right. They operate in a state of unconditional love for all and can have deep, intimate relationships with many partners at once. Monogamy is very foreign to them, so they found our social norms revolving around monogamy a little bizarre. This was fascinating for me to hear because I wasn't 
personally completely sold on monogamy. It was highly romanticized at home and in the media, so it felt like magical and exciting, but I was very suspicious about it. (laughs) A couple months later, I found the singer Jessie J, who I thought was absolutely incredible, and she is. She's obviously big now. She's a (laughs) celebrity. But at the time, she was up and coming. This was in, like, 2010. There was an interview with her that I had listened to where she was explaining how she loves whoever she loves, no matter the gender. It was the person that mattered. I thought that was absolutely beautiful and honestly goals to be able to strip everything away and just love a person for who they were at their core. I heard a similar thing repeated by a couple other people shortly after, so this concept just kind of started making me question stuff, you know? Both of these concepts regarding relationships and sexuality fascinated me and made me really curious about other types of relationships and how they worked, but my curiosity sort of just ended there. The fluidity of both felt uh, too scary for my people-pleasing, anxious, self-conscious self to even consider exploring. Additionally, as much as I yearned for a partner, as many teenagers do with all the hormones going on, I had a very sour view about love. The little relationships I had had in middle school and high school didn't feel good, especially dealing with PTSD and complex PTSD. It made things very confusing and uncomfortable. My parents' relationships following the divorce were also very difficult for me and very unhealthy, as I've kind of talked about before. So as a coping mechanism, I decided I would never be in love. I would adopt a kid when I was in my 30s. We'd live happily ever after together, and that was my life, and I was totally happy with that and at peace with it, but it wasn't coming from a healthy place, you know? I didn't like love. I didn't want to feel it. I didn't want anyone to feel it at me. It grossed me out. It seemed like a mess. And I wasn't developed enough to understand that this meant I had some healing and processing to do. So I just kind of shut it out for the most part. Around this time, I had a that's so Raven moment (laughs) where I was going to bed and was immediately hit with a vision. This doesn't happen that often. It happens once in a while but it's usually kind of a significant thing when it does happen. I saw myself in this big bedroom getting ready for bed. There was a big window with white curtains. The walls were white. The comforter was white. There was like a little uh, nightstand next to the bed that was also, I think, white or like a very light uh, wood color. There was a clear color scheme happening. My hair was long and in a ponytail, I turned out the lights and turned around to kiss my son, who was sleeping between me and my husband, who was already asleep. I just saw the back of his head. His back was turned against me. I kissed my son's head, and I said, I love you, Eli, then went to bed. This began opening me up somewhat to the idea of future partnerships and perhaps one day exploring a relationship or a more fluid type of love venture, but I wasn't ready for anything anytime soon. Two years later, I was fully moved out and started college. There was a guy that I had known since elementary school that I acquired a crush for. We started talking a little bit. It 
didn't really go anywhere, but that really short little venture together was a very valuable lesson in learning that I'm worthy of feeling good, I'm worthy of loving people, and I'm worthy of feeling loved back. Those thick walls I had put up regarding the possibility of love were poked, and I began embracing even more the idea of experiencing it. I realized that my rejection of it was just a survival mechanism of keeping people out so I wouldn't get hurt, and I knew it was something I needed to kind of dive into and work through. These holes that were poked, though small, allowed me to explore myself with confidence, trust myself and the world around me, assess what I wanted in life, honor my worth. It was a really powerful catalyst that effortlessly and quickly brought me into my first serious long-term relationship. Pretty immediately into our dating, I knew there was something different about this person uh, and our energetic connection. I remember even telling my mom that it wasn't just a normal like dating thing something felt very different I thought that he was the one my soulmate finally coming into my life (laughs) I felt that pretty immediately there was something very significant and special and easy uh, and familiar about his energy My mom and I had actually had this conversation on our way to see a movie we stopped at a Starbucks had this conversation went out to get a drink. And I saw this older man with white flowy hair, bright blue eyes. We made eye contact and smiled at each other friendly, friend, friendly, friend, in a friendly manner. But our gaze kind of stayed connected, not in like a creepy or like romantic way, but in a deeply spiritual way. There was a sense of familiarity in his eyes, like he was acknowledging me in a very deeply vulnerable way like he saw me. I felt very naked, but it didn't feel bad. It felt good and seen. As he was walking out the door, yeah, baby girl. Oh, you brought me your bunny. Thank you. Thistle has this little rabbit that she loves and she carries around like she just hunted it. And sometimes she'll come over and bring it to us as a little gift, and she just dropped it at the closet. So as he was walking out the door, I saw a very thick, bright white light around him, and I knew immediately he was an angel. I didn't know why he was there or what his message was to me, but it was fascinating, and it felt very right, and it made everything just feel great. My mom and I then went to the movie theater to see Perks of Being a Wallflower, which portrays PTSD from sexual abuse in a brilliant way. I felt so seen after seeing that movie. Oh, so good. The whole day just felt very healing and very promising in terms of pointing me in a really great direction for expansion and clarity. I then had an epiphany that this guy that I had just started seeing looked like the man I had seen in the vision, my husband. Granted, I had only seen the back of his head, but the back of their heads were a match. (laughs) My time in this relationship offered so much growth and development, so much. But as the years progressed, his inner demons unfortunately got the best of him and our relationship became very toxic and abusive. 
I've said this before, but I feel like I've lived multiple lifetimes in this one. <laughs> so when my energy begins to find expansion, I change a lot. Like I feel like a completely different person in a completely different lifetime, which is kind of what's happening. But this got us on completely different pages and brought up a lot of his insecurities and traumas, which were then projected on me. I had picked up dancing pretty immediately after meeting him. I grew up dancing, then focused solely on acting in high school, then fell back into dance at this point. The combination of being in a serious relationship and my first serious relationship and finding myself through dance again initiated a huge transition for me and a very beautiful journey of self-discovery. Being in a relationship with a dancer, however, can be very difficult for some people because you sometimes dance very intimately with people in partner dances. The costumes can be very revealing. You're changing around a lot of people backstage during shows. You have to really commit to the craft, which can take time away from the relationship. There are a lot of factors to it that can complicate a relationship depending on the people and the dynamic. It can play upon a lot of insecurities, which it definitely did for him. He started trying to gain control by putting me down, giving me ultimatums, essentially like I had to choose him or dance, but dance has been my lifesaver my whole life, so like <laughs> it will always be dance. <laughs> uh, he started acting out. He had originally viewed me as very good and pure, and he sort of saw this new exploration, this new transformation of mine as making me bad and dirty, which would then carry over to judgments over music I would listen to, my clothing choices, how I'd carry myself, etc. He would constantly try to put me back into the box I was in when he first met me. I felt unsafe to explore myself and new interests. When I'd get home, my anxiety would immediately rise in distress about having to go inside. Sometimes it would escalate to even having a panic attack upon parking. It was terrible, but I was blinded by our connection to do anything about it. I kept making excuses for it because he was the person I saw in that vision. I felt we were soulmates. Blah, 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 blah. It totally overrided any of the red flags that were present. He then started picking up addiction issues that he would try to hide from me. I could sense what was going on, so I'd try to open up the conversation, but he would deny that he had a problem. And so... I wanted to help him and I knew that it was a problem so my role sort of turned into a motherly one where I was trying to care for him and teach him new ways of approaching things and leading a healthy life and stuff like that. Things were very weird but I knew he didn't have the tools to handle things by himself which is why he was turning to aggression and addiction to cope. Unfortunately, he became a bit more aggressive and violent, and I realized that if we got married and had children one day, as we had planned to, I wouldn't trust him with the kids. I would worry about their well-being. I would be concerned about, like, how they were being raised, and I don't know. It just, it, it opened my eyes and was a huge red flag. I couldn't put myself in harm's way to try to help someone. I had to take care of myself first, because if I didn't, then things would continue and that's how cycles and like ancestral traumas and whatever continue down through the generations. I realized that a lot of this was mirroring stuff from my childhood and I didn't want to repeat any of those cycles for me or for him or for future children. It wasn't worth it and I knew it was time for me to leave. But the tricky part 
was having the courage to do it because I had a lot of love for him and I did not want to cause him pain. I began to gently kind of open up the conversation about breaking up or taking a break like every few days, but he was very resistant about it. I didn't want to hurt him, so I let it go, which was a huge mistake for both of us. Things got progressively worse, and I started completely checking out emotionally. A couple weeks later, he left on a trip. At this point, my current partner, Luis, was my best friend. We did everything together. He was my person and vice versa. Me, him, and our friend, Alex, did a really intense six-month dance scholarship program, which brought us all together very deeply. Um, they were They were my family. We went through so much together. After the program ended, Alex went back to focus on his acting, writing, and filmmaking and stuff. He was into movies, while Luis and I kept pursuing dance. So he and I, in particular, stayed very close. Luis is an artist and had been working with this underground masquerade sex club for a couple years. Pictures and phones weren't allowed, so his job was to sketch the attendees and performances. We had a dance show. This was during the time my boyfriend was out of town. And Lewis had to draw at the club after. I was super curious about it because I had really begun tackling my sexual abuse healing and wanted to understand what that world was like since I was still so sexually closed off. So another friend of ours and I decided to join him. I was a sexual being, but very privately. Hip-hop was my main style of dance at the time, and I would struggle if there was a feminine, sexy, or flirty part. For those of you that follow my dance Instagram, you know that (laughs) that has since changed. That is something I have very much worked past. (laughs) At the time, I far preferred masculine movement. I struggled with any sexual expression in a public setting, so I thought going to the club would be fascinating to see how other people embrace sexuality to really push my comfort zone. From here, things got incredibly messy. I began going to the club with Luis every month to assist him. I wouldn't partake in anything with anybody because I was still in a relationship, but it was just sort of expanding my understanding of the physical body and feeling comfortable with sexuality, which was incredibly healing. I then started to grow feelings for him. Going to a sex club with someone I had feelings for while being in a relationship was obviously not a healthy combo. I was completely emotionally detached from my relationship and not okay. At this time, Luis and I were going on runs twice a week to train our cardio. We would go after dance class, run a few miles, then cool down and stretch. I was feeling really guilty for my growing feelings for him and having not ended it with my boyfriend. It wasn't fair for anybody. I didn't want to hurt him, but this was far worse. So I used my feelings for Luis and the potential that perhaps something could come out of it as motivation to leave. So after our run one Tuesday, I went home, immediately broke down telling my boyfriend I couldn't do this relationship anymore. It had become far too painful and toxic for me. The next morning, I went to work, and he texted me saying good morning like nothing happened. I asked him if he was okay after our conversation the night before, and he acted completely clueless, like nothing had happened. We had had no discussion. I had not told him that I couldn't couldn't be with him anymore. 
there wouldn't be any movement unless I stood my ground, so I told him I would be staying with my friend and would be getting my stuff in a couple days. When I went back to get everything, as painful and heartbreaking as it was, we had a really beautiful parting. We were able to really honor our love and leave it where it was. The love we had underneath everything was very real, but it was just convoluted with insecurity and fear. I still wanted to keep in touch, but he did not find it acceptable to remain in contact with an ex, so we left it at that. It was a very emotional, kind of beautiful, very bittersweet ending, but it caused two things to happen. One, it made me question my intuition because I was so sure that he was my soulmate. I felt betrayed by my senses because I didn't fully embrace that the future is fluid and the decisions we make can completely alter our paths. We'll get into this next episode. And two, it brought in some fear of commitment and caused me to jump right into the idea that once you break up with someone, they don't exist. I went right back into that whole trained view. My survival mechanisms jumped in. I erased him from my memory. So I didn't really process anything. I felt so free and elated After our breakup, I felt like the world was my oyster. There was no limit. This also encouraged me to keep him out of my mind because I felt so much better being separated from him, but it was still painful that our relationship didn't work out, and that pain was just pocketed. It would creep in over the next years because I didn't allow myself to really go there. I would take it bit by bit, but still keep it quiet and private, you know, so it didn't really help anything. Anyway, My birthday had just passed, and a couple weeks after my breakup, Luis made a scavenger hunt at a hiking trail where he hid some artwork he had done of me, or inspired by me, as a belated birthday gift. It was meant to be a very, like, special, friendly thing, but emotions were high, and when I got back from the scavenger hunt, I had, like, been crying, and, like, it was, that was a whole, that was a really cool journey, but Anyways, it was very emotional. Um, When I got back, we kissed, and that was that. We have now been together for six years. It's been a very interesting journey. We've been through a lot together. We are a bit too similar in some ways and very opposite in others, which had begun to kind of take its toll on us recently. Our love languages, for example, are very opposite. I am very cuddly. Physical touch is one of my main ways of expressing love, as is verbal expressions of affection. He is very opposite. He gets very claustrophobic, so physical affection is difficult for him because it feels like he's being smothered. He also doesn't like to verbally express affection. His love languages are more in the realm of spending time together, doing projects together, which I totally appreciate, but I have workaholic tendencies that I've been working on and have a history of having a hard time prioritizing downtime to do things like that together. We speak very different romantic languages, so we're not really fulfilling each other's needs for a very long time. This past year in particular had been very difficult for us, and everything started to kind of come to a head around December this past year, 2021. We began seriously questioning everything and decided to really tackle our issues. 
Coming into our relationship, we were both clear that no matter what happened, we wanted to prioritize our friendship because we truly hold a lot of love for each other and want the best for each other and just have a really great dynamic. And we didn't want to lose that. We didn't want any like, I don't know, anger or animosity or whatever to get to the extent where we would like stop contact. You know, our friendship was always priority. This provided a really nice basis for this process of resetting because we were both willing to be very open and honest with where we were because we both just wanted to help each other and support each other. Around this time, I was conducting a session with a client that I had been training, and while she was practicing, she received a message that I needed to start journaling in a specific notebook I had in my bookshelf. This notebook was from about 10 years ago when I was 17, and I had only written in about like 20% of it. I usually will discard old journals, but this one just looks really beautiful. (laughs) I really like the colors and the decorations, and it was fairly empty. So this is one, this is the one old one that I have kept throughout the years. I was reading through it and found a section where I spoke about how much I wanted to get married and be a great wife, how that's like all I wanted in life. I was absolutely appalled. (laughs) As far as I knew... I have never wanted to be in a marriage. I want to be in a relationship for the sake of connection. I didn't want like a paper to bind us. I don't know. It's not something that I have ever felt was right for me. This journal entry around the time I had written this journal entry was actually around the time I was talking to that uh, one guy that I had known since elementary school. So Apparently, I was really opening up to love, (laughs) but I did not realize that I had done so, so much in that way. This totally blew my mind and made me kind of rethink everything. I started thinking about the concept of getting married, and it seemed nice, and the idea of it being with Luis felt just as lovely. So in our deeply vulnerable conversations, I mentioned that I was rethinking my idea of marriage and children and that it may be something I may actually want. He wasn't sure he wanted it. We were kind of on the same page of not really wanting to get married, nor was he anywhere near ready for it should he decide it felt good to him. So it kind of added another layer of things we both needed to really consider if we chose to stay together. Our relationship continued to remain rocky, so we began going into the discussion of whether we should stay together or separate, and as painful as it was, having a safe space for open, honest, vulnerable conversation was incredibly healing and so nice. After a couple weeks of this, I decided to take a weekend visit to my mom's to reset and gain clarity on what I wanted out of life. It was difficult to kind of see clearly being surrounded and in it, you know, so we both needed some quiet time. So I chose to uh, just kind of go for a little bit. While at my mom's, we had an incredible heart to heart. Those don't happen very often. So it was really nice to be open and honest about the state of my relationship and how I was feeling. Much to her surprise, I also shared my newfound openness to marriage and having a traditional family, whether that be with him or someone else. It was really nice to say those things out loud and feel supported no matter what direction things went. So that also um, just made me feel more secure and stable in just the processing of this journey. On my way back home, I was driving, thinking about everything and weighing what I did and didn't want in life and in a partnership. 
and I felt my great-grandma Dorothy pop into the passenger seat. She was very strong. There was an overwhelming sense of, like, love and support that just completely overtook me. It was exactly what I needed to be feeling. I was telling her about everything going on with Luis, trying to get her opinion on whether I should kind of call it quits or keep fighting for it. She said that she really liked him a lot, but our relationship as it had been has come to an end, which I understood. I immediately then felt someone calling my soul. I don't even know how to describe it. I felt this warm yearning in my heart that felt like it was coming from someone, like someone was calling for my soul. This feeling was completely indescribable. It was just this overpowering sense of support and love and partnership. I immediately started crying tears of pure joy like they were happy tears it was just so incredible I got so emotional that sense of joy and love was completely overwhelming my body it was coming from a person that would soon come into my life as a romantic partner they complimented my energy so well and I could feel the love and expansion our energies were radiating with together it was incredibly powerful I knew at that moment, I didn't know how, but somehow our our souls were calling for each other, and I knew that I had some work to do. The idea of, like, sacred partnerships, which I'll also get into next week, have been, has been very, like, present in my mind, um, and this felt very much like I was calling in a sacred partner, and it was, yeah, absolutely beautiful. To manifest your ultimate partner or sacred partner, you must become what it is you want. So if you want someone that loves you unconditionally and makes you feel confident and adventurous, for example, you have to love yourself unconditionally and become confident and adventurous. Like attracts like. So I knew I needed to really shift my approach to myself and life so that I could be the version of myself that I ultimately wanted in another person. That evening, we, Luis and I, began talking more seriously about ending our romantic relationship, and that was that. That night, I had a very bizarre extraterrestrial encounter. I was going to bed. He usually goes to bed earlier than me. I usually stay up late and wake up a little bit later, so he was asleep already. I had gone into bed, and all of a sudden... Like, I don't know, the the pain of having romantic feelings for someone that is, like, ending, you know, that, like, rawness completely fell away. My romantic feelings for him completely fell away. It was uh, very strange. <laughs> I felt very at peace and, like, I don't know, like, you're my friend. I see you. Those feelings aren't there. And it wasn't in a weird, like, shove away type of way that it used to be. It was like it literally processed out. At the exact moment, I heard a super loud rumbling, like an earthquake was about to happen, so I braced myself for the shaking to start. I kind of like waited. It was like 45 seconds and nothing happened. Nothing shook. Nothing fell. There was nothing. I sat up expecting my cats or Lewis to be awake and like alarmed and on alert, you know, 
but all were sleeping very peacefully. I felt a light energy of something. I couldn't tell if it was the Mantis or some other collective. It wasn't that strong. They weren't communicating with me. It felt familiar. I don't know. I just kind of left it alone. They felt good. So I just kind of laid back down and was going to go to sleep. But then I felt this brushing against my arms and my like face, almost as if somebody were to get like a thin paintbrush and like gently like tickle you, you know? It was so tangible. I thought there was a spider or something on me. Well, I thought it was them, but like just in case the thought came in, like, what if there's literally a physical insect on my body? So I woke up just to make sure that nothing weird was crawling on me. There wasn't anything. So I was like, all right, closed my eyes, went to sleep. That night was full of astral projection. I woke up feeling really tired because I was essentially up all night while I was with this collective. It was actually a group of various collectives that I regularly work with. We were going over various things regarding helping the collective raise its frequency and stuff like that, like my purpose, uh, how we're working together, just a bunch of, I don't know, like downloads of information. I started re-reflecting on the thought of marriage, and the more I sat on the idea, the less good it felt. It felt safe, secure, and familiar, but it didn't feel honest to me and what I ultimately needed. It felt like a, I don't know, like the safe way out or like, you know. I began reflecting on myself, my purpose here, my past lives, and I realized that this lifetime is about connecting various lessons and ways of being and applying the information here to help create space for new explorations so that people can gain the courage and tools to align with their highest self. So a lot of fundamental interests from lifetimes and relationships with beings on other planets would be coming into play this lifetime. This also means that the way I go about life is not supposed to be totally traditional because my purpose here isn't to follow the traditional route. It's to help people open up to other possibilities that could serve them a lot better. So my draw to relationships, or to marriage rather, is not necessarily one where it's like, that's what I need, that's what I want, but rather when I start healing and feeling safe and comfortable in a relationship, it's almost like I correlate that security with marriage because in my head it's like oh society teaches us when you feel secure in a relationship here's marriage or like you know what I'm saying um so it was more of like a training thing rather than an honest urge I began deconstructing my view of relationships to clarify more what were trained views that I had adopted just because they were familiar and which actually felt aligned and offered growth. There was a lot to process. As you know, we moved fairly recently. We really love this place, as do our cats, so we weren't ready to move just yet. I had also just found out that my mom was going to move to Arizona and my dad potentially to Mexico, so everything felt incredibly unstable at this point. I'm an only child. My entire family is in Los Angeles and has been, so some old abandonment issues and issues with instability kind of crept in. I began processing and healing through these, but we ultimately decided to try to make it work in this new place, at least for another year, just so that both of our nervous systems could have a break. (laughs) We were planning on just being roommates and friends, 
Luis makes me feel really safe and grounded, so his presence is really important to me. And I was very grateful for his open-mindedness throughout all of this. This entire process was also very healing for me because it was teaching me that you don't have to run away from and shove out a former partner. It's okay for you to channel your love for them in a different way. It's triggered some super powerful realizations, healing, and freedom that were further fostered through our support for each other. So powerful. So much. (laughs) So much. Having the romantic element of a relationship off the table actually ended up deepening our connection in a way that I didn't know was possible. It was incredibly nice, and it has been incredibly nice. We began talking about logistics of how things would work out when we feel ready to begin dating. We discussed how we felt about it, how we thought we may feel about it if the other person's dating somebody, just how that dynamic is going to work, and we're both very clear that we honestly want the best for each other and... We just kind of try to work through any, like, preliminary fears or discomforts just, again, to feel kind of stable in it and just understand where the structure was or kind of be on the same page. We were still sleeping in the same bed, but it felt like a sleepover now rather than anything romantic. We figured it would be probably strange to continue sleeping in the same bed, even though we didn't have feelings for each other, but like if we brought a new partner in, be like, hey, this is my ex and we're sleeping in the same bed. So we discussed turning one of our other rooms into a bedroom so that we'd each have our space. It's not actually a bedroom, so I don't know, it would have been kind of weird, but we were going to try to make it work. We even talked about eventually moving into a two-bedroom so that we could be proper roommates. After about a month of this, of just kind of discussing and being friends and are having our flourishing connection and such one of us it may have been lewis but i don't remember i think it was him i'm not sure um but he found out about the concept of platonic life partnerships basically you support each other and are there for each other as a life partner but you aren't romantically involved so it's kind of like an open relationship situation but the romantic stuff only happens with other people. I thought this was a fascinating concept. I kind of did research on it. I started diving into uh, just various alternative relationships, and we decided to explore a platonic life partnership type of connection and kind of keep our home dynamic as is. So no weird bedroom. We could sleep in the same bed. Like, we're just going to kind of be here together. This kind of made me a little bit nervous about messing up the connection to that person I had felt in my soul on the drive back from my mom's, but I got an overwhelming feeling that the person meant to come in is going to come in. They would not be entering if they were not a fit for this venture. I am a person of structure. (laughs) I like going with the flow and being spontaneous and all that stuff, but... I also really like a good schedule, a good to-do list, being in control, having a grasp for what's to come. This whole experience of letting go and fluidly exploring our connection and the structure of it has been very scary and has really forced me to face myself and the concept of love in very new ways. I am going against what I've been trained and really honoring what I've always felt at home with in my soul. It's been very healing, very messy, very vulnerable, but so rewarding. 
as I've already seen so much growth occur in both of us. It has been such a fascinating venture. Easter weekend, my family, my dad's family is, uh, a lot of them are like, uh, or a good portion of them, um, are like follow Christianity. So we have like a little Easter brunch, just this is family celebration. Anyways, my dad was talking to, um, I think his brother, his twin brother about someone. And he said an offhanded comment about how so-and-so is cheating on her husband. And then my uncle added, well, he's cheating too. And then my dad was like, that's right. They're cheating on each other. They're in an open relationship. (laughs) I looked at Lewis and I laughed to myself. (laughs) I haven't yet told my dad nor that side of the family that we're embarking upon an alternative type of relationship. But like two of the people I have told about raised their eyebrows at me and seemed to disapprove (laughs) after I told them, which is fine. I understand it's not for everyone. I understand where they're coming from. But I think there's a lot more to open relationships that isn't understood unless you explore it for yourself or research it. Luis told me the other day that his concern with this new venture is that I meet someone that I want to be exclusive with or get married to or whatever, and vice versa, that he finds someone the same way and the other person essentially gets left behind. I told him, I was actually just thinking about that earlier and I had an epiphany about it, but I don't, I told him that I didn't understand why if I love someone a lot, that means that I can't love him anymore. Love is an expansive thing, not a restrictive one. So why can't I just love multiple people at once and explore how big and far my love can go? Why do I have to limit it? It was a big realization for me and one that I'm really curious to explore more. We are taught so much that you have to choose and devote yourself to one person, but this is all training. I started to do some research on relationships and actually found some really fascinating stuff. First, scientists are finding that monogamy may not actually be natural for us. I think something like only 3 to 5% of mammals practice it and about 17 or 18% of human cultures strictly practice it. There's an article called We're Just Swingers After All (laughs) that was published in the Sydney Morning Herald in 2010, if you want to read it, which goes into a fascinating overview of how human testicle size reveals that we did not historically practice monogamy as a species. Animals with large testicles have them that size because they need to produce more sperm when the females have multiple sexual partners. They need to, like, win her egg. You know, their sperm needs to be dense to be the one to fertilize the eggs. Animals that do not have to fight for the females will have much smaller testicles. The article used silverback gorillas as an example. They usually operate in harems often one male to multiple females, so there is no sperm competition, so their testicles are very petite and little. (laughs) Human testicles, however, are fairly large and produce much more sperm than a silverback gorilla's, which reveals that there was at one point a need for our sperm to fight. The adoption of monogamy may actually be shrinking testicle size since the sperm don't have to fight another person's. So the amount of sperm and the size of the testicles (laughs) are thus slowly shrinking over generations. The article explains that historically, 
pre-agricultural civilizations did not practice monogamy but had multiple sexual relationships at once, which would strengthen group cohesions and provide security, which makes sense but is very fascinating because it's very different from my American culture that I grew up in. This happened for like 2 million years up until about 10,000 years ago when we began farming and went from egalitarian groups to hierarchical ones. There are many theories about how monogamy came to grow in popularity, but there is another article I found called A Brief History of Monogamy on the blog portion of field.co that had a very interesting breakdown. It explains that monogamy was first urged socially during ancient Greek and Roman times to help keep men settled in the society so that they would be available for wars and paying taxes and, you know, serving that society rather than leaving to find wives in outside groups. Then Christianity became prevalent, which pushed monogamy even more. In the late 18th century, We've got romanticism coming in, which focused greatly on emotion and individualism. Sexual monogamy became more prevalent around this time and tied in with romantic relationships and political virtue. People began searching for someone to love and adore them that they would spend the rest of their days with. There was a shift from marriage bringing specific families and groups together to it being a symbol of true love, which was a very new concept. It began to grow in popularity and also became an attractive place of safety from the stress of the new type of society and workplace, the weakening of community and religious bonds, etc. that was brought by the Industrial Revolution, which was going on at the same time. The article then shares a quote by Esther Perel from the book Mating in Captivity, which explains that during the Industrial Revolution, relationships have now shifted where one person now is giving what an entire village used to. Financial and emotional support, companionship, entertainment, friendship, familiarity, mystery, love, sex, That used to be spanned around a bunch of people, and now you just have one partner to provide that, which brought upon its own issues and is a very fascinating observation. I never thought about that. From here, the sexual revolution occurs in the 1960s and 70s. Monogamy is challenged and sexuality is embraced more. There's more movement in sexual relationships as casual sex or premarital sex is explored. Alternative relationships are explored, etc. While I'm still very early on my journey of being in a non-monogamous relationship, it's already offered me so much freedom and questioning. I feel as though limitations have been lifted off of me. I feel free to explore me and who I am in a very safe, grounded way. I have begun moving out of social norms and restrictions that I had blindly accepted because I was born into them which feels really empowering and really exciting. I've always been one to kind of go against the grain a little bit, but I feel like I was kind of stuck on a general framework of how life was supposed to look as an adult and allowing myself to explore the depths of love, the very framework of the universe, in a very free way. It has allowed me to rethink all of that. What do I honestly and truly want out of life? If I could never fail, what would I do? What would I explore? What would I pursue? Right now, 
I feel the courage and confidence to go after all of that because I'm not afraid to go against trained beliefs, trained fears, ancestral trauma, ancestral limitations. You know what I'm saying? I think the ego operates out of comfort. So all of those things we are trained, this is safe, this is good, this is what you want to pursue. And anything other than that can feel very scary because it's unknown territory. And I feel like now I understand that it's not bad. There's nothing scary about it. It's actually really interesting and fascinating and expansive. And being able to go into those like scarier places of just unknown, you know, and see that it's safe is really incredible. Source energy is pure love. It is radiating at the base of everything. And the freedom to explore how that love wants to be experienced is really exciting for me. Also really intimidating, especially in the case of relationships. There may be some jealousy that pops up. We're yet to go there, but I've also heard and I'm kind of already experiencing that in polyamorous relationships, a person will feel compersion when their partner is with someone else. This essentially means they feel happy when their partner is happy or happiness is shared. Luis and I, I think he had gotten home from something and he was asking like, what would it feel like to you if I was just coming home from a date right now? Like, how would you feel? And I was thinking about it and I was like, well, honestly, <clears throat> you're probably going to feel happy. Your like needs will be met. And I just get the happy version of you now. And that feels great. <laughs> you know, though Luis and I are still healing, I feel secure enough in myself to know that if there's something I am not receiving or can't give, I can find it elsewhere and he can find whatever he needs elsewhere too. There's no pressure to be everything for someone and there's freedom to find everything for you. We are able to ensure we both feel fulfilled however we need while also being able to honor and continue to explore our own connection, which in itself is a very special little monster. <laughs> it's changing my perspective on polyamory from something to be skeptical of to something really expansive and exciting. Through all of this, honest and open communication has been of utmost importance, and we've been really raw and vulnerable with each other whenever we're feeling off or weird about something so that we can immediately neutralize it or make adjustments needed to rebalance things and keep moving forward. It's also been an interesting challenge in becoming comfortable with the unknown, which feels important for my personal development right now. As I mentioned already, I'm being forced to question cultural and familial trainings, diving deeper to understand who I am and what I want, rather than blindly adopting things thrown at me. It's connecting me to my pure self in a deep way I didn't know was available. From an energetic perspective, polyamorous relationships challenge our attachments to the physical. Sometimes we can project our insecurities and lack of personal care onto others, we may also go to them for comfort to kind of put a band-aid over parts of ourselves that need healing but we don't want to heal, all of which don't really do anything. There's still a wound there that isn't being uh, healed at the core. You know what I'm saying? Going into an alternative style relationship really forces you to clean and heal those wounds because you need to be grounded and secure in your being to handle such deep connections with many people. At the same time, 
being monogamous with one person to mold us or to mold with together in a relationship can be very beneficial when there is freedom and support to explore you. Just like spiritual beliefs, I don't feel like one size fits all when it comes to relationships. We all have certain needs and areas of intrigue, so putting a set rule on everyone is bound to cause issues. (laughs) My opinion. Monogamy works for some. Others need something more or a little different, and vice versa. Both directions can provide a lot of expansion and healing and discovery for a person. So that's a very raw overview of my recent realizations and my journey regarding relationships. Like I said, we'll be building upon everything next week and analyzing my experiences and my mistakes and good things and lessons and such to kind of help further just make things digestible and uh, begin opening up more conversations. It's going to be on a full range of topics, not just this. But yeah, I so look forward to it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here with me and having an open mind through it all. This was very uncomfortable for me and vulnerable for some reason, but I really appreciate you being here and you listening all the way through. (laughs) I'm sending you so much love. And I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. To learn more about me, my work, and such, you can visit channelwithamber.com or follow me on Instagram at channelwithamber. A special thank you to Unicorn Heads for my theme song, A Mystical Experience. See you next time. Thank you.